Welcome to the Jolly Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Barrett. This podcast is for those who are interested in the conversation around diversity, inclusion, and equity. Each week, I'll be interviewing a guest who has something special to share or is actively part of building solutions in this space. Let's get started. All right, this week I'm joined by Mrs. Yvette Washington. She is a retired police detective born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, chose a career in law enforcement and retired after 27 years. Mrs. Washington believes that diversity can be used to better understand oneself as well as each other. And to help teach her children about diversity, she socialized them with people of different cultures really early on. So I'm also joined this week by Aria Washington, the daughter of Mrs. Yvette Washington. And she is the grad student at the University of Milwaukee. She is also the middle child of three sisters, first in her family to attend an immersion school uh, where she was enrolled by her parents in the French language program. And she studied abroad in France three times. She's taught English to French university students, as well as she teaches French to students of various ages. She did go to Xavier University, our historically black college in New Orleans, Louisiana. And I am looking forward to having a great conversation. I know you have your own journey in your right as well. So before I get started, I wanted to just reach out and see if Yvette can, can you tell us a little bit about your background? I know you say you're born in Wisconsin, and I'm assuming that was an interesting journey in itself. Were there particular people that you, you know, looked up to or influenced you to get where you are today? Because I would imagine if you chose law enforcement, there must have been some influence there somewhere. Well, initially, no, there wasn't. I ended up in the law enforcement field as a result of my guidance counselor at um, my high school. Uh, I was looking for a job. I was 16 years old, and um, there was a program within the city of Milwaukee that um, uh, provided an opportunity for young people to work um, in the police department. And so I worked in the police department while I was a sophomore in high school as a file clerk. And yeah, so um, that was my foray into an introduction into law enforcement. After I graduated, um, I I quit that job and I came back um, a couple years later. No, a year later. I came back a, a year later and I, the city of Milwaukee had this program called the police aid program where it's like, um, a cadet program to introduce um, young people mm-hmm. into law enforcement. And we wore uniforms, unlike the police, uh, but essentially we were um, clerks, but we got to work in various different departments within the de- uh, police department. I worked in the traffic bureau. I also worked in the criminal investigation bureau. I did a lot of filing, but I also did um, verification of warrants from when people were stopped on the street and uh, arrested. 
I would um, check their backgrounds to, um, to determine if they were wanted at that time and then do the verification with the various different agencies. And after that mm-hmm. program, um, at the age of 21, I went into the police academy. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, I and no I mean, I had no police powers while I was in the police aid program. I didn't, right. I didn't earn my police powers until after um, I went into the academy. Wow. Well, that was a pretty big decision at 21 to go on the police academy. It was a good job. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, that's good. And you have to understand, when you're in law enforcement, it's different every day. Yes. It's not rough. Yes. It is different every day. So if you're looking for um, variety and excitement, law enforcement is a good, it's a good job. Yeah, I'm sure it's got, I mean, you have lots of adrenaline going for sure. Yeah. So, and this was the, this was the police academy in Wisconsin or? Milwaukee. Okay. Milwaukee. Okay. Mm -hmm. Fabulous. So then tell me a little bit about where, so when you're 21, you go into the police academy, I'm assuming you had your kids after you were already a police officer. Then. No, I had my first one just before I went into the, um, the police department. I had okay. 1981. Yeah. It's a bazillion years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Not that long. Look, don't age me. <laughs> uh, it was a bazillion years ago. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to um, um, coppers now, and when I tell them I, when I came on the job, they were like, I wasn't even born. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I've heard that a lot myself. <laughs> yes, indeed. Well, that's interesting. So then you ended up with small kids, and I mean, what was it like? Did, were there a lot of people of color in the force where you were, or...? There were quite a few of us and we all knew each other because Milwaukee has been known to be one of the most segregated cities in America. So Really? Oh god yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, we had many marches in the 60s and and yes. and we had riots in the 60s as well. I remember that cuz I was a small kid and yeah. Yeah, Milwaukee was um deemed to be one of the most segregated cities in, in the United States. It still is. And it still is. But it's much different. It's, yeah. it, it's, it, it has improved some um, a lot because there was a time where um, the north side is where black people, African-Americans live, and no person of color, uh, a black person, lived on the south side. There was a viaduct that runs between our city. Mm-hmm. It separates north from south. Yes. And we had a big march in the 60s um, with a, a Catholic priest um, who led it, um, Father James Grappi, where we where people of color crossed the 16th Street Viaduct and were met. And wouldn't they didn't want us to cross. Right. Because they were, were not welcome. Yes. Yeah. So in 1984, I was the first black cop assigned to the South Side. Oh, Wow. So what was yeah. that like? Oh, that was something. <laughs> um, that was something very interesting. Um, a lot of times we were met um, with um, unwelcomed um, responses, mm-hmm. rhetoric. I have heard it was such a big thing that there was a newspaper article written about me in, in, in the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. 
Oh, wow. We still have that paper. Yeah. Um, oh, my goodness. I can imagine. Yeah. Oh, but then there were some who, you know, they didn't mind, but there was, you know, they didn't outwardly, overtly display their racism. Right. But there were some that um, send me another cop. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, but those are the kind of experiences that really stay with you. Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, I mean, it really kind of shapes you uh, and your perspectives, which clearly made a, it made a difference for your daughter, at least for sure. Uh, I'm sure multiple daughters in terms of how you socialize them. So what was that process like? Because clearly you were dealing with challenges during the day and then you Mm -hmm. come home and you want to make sure that your kids have a different opportunity uh, or experience than you are, we're having. Well, you know, uh, most black people, um, African-Americans, we have to have a talk with our children. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Our counterparts, they don't have that conversation. Yeah. And and, um, along with that conversation, also in, you know, try to teach my children that, you know, we are no better and we're certainly not worse than anyone else. No one's superior. We're all created in God's image. Yes. And that you can be friends with anyone you want. Yeah. To learn about other people, you have to get to know other people. Absolutely. You can't you know, segregate yourself, isolate yourself, and only socialize with one type of people, the ones that look like you. The world is larger than your four block area. Yes. So our house, when these kids were in elementary school and high school, was I called it the UN. We were the Rainbow Bread Coalition. <laughs> we had all kinds of kids. Yeah. And and it's a way to um, broaden your horizon. Yeah, absolutely. That's fabulous. Because I think a lot of people, especially when you talk about the division between North and South Side, mm-hmm. you end up with a challenge of being able to socialize because you've been essentially forced to be in a particular location with, mm-hmm. you know, I'll say your kind in quotes. Mm-hmm. And so, so, I mean, how did you ensure that, I mean, did you, did you guys have a lot of diversity or you had to travel in order to, to get, pull that diversity into your, in for your kids? Because my kids went to the French immersion school. It, the, the initial school was on the South side. Okay. So uh, at that time, the, the vast majority of the student body w- were white, were, were Caucasian. Mm-hmm. And um, we've had um, the, um, some Hispanics and um, some Asians. Um, so, but that program quickly outgrew that building. Okay. So they had to make the move to the north side because there was a vacant school that was much, much larger. Oh, interesting. What they were currently in. Yeah. And some of the Caucasian parents did not make that move. Right. Probably they took, from the from they, the south side to the north side. 
Right. They did not make that move. They, you know, it was okay for our okay, okay for for our children to take a bus, which mine wouldn't take the bus. <laughs> of course not. My, my, <laughs> Mine wouldn't take the bus. Um, they, they got drove. We were <laughs> driven. They were they were driven to school every morning. Yeah, because they were traumatized by the school bus. No, I was traumatized by the school bus. <laughs> yeah. So um, why were you traumatized by the school bus? I don't really remember why, but I just remember getting off the bus crying. Oh no! First day. It, it, yeah, it was downhill after that. <laughs> So what was it like, Aria, going to a French immersion school? I just thought I was going to school. I didn't know what was happening, <laughs> to be quite honest. Like, I remember my, I remember actually, no, before I even started going there, my dad took me up there to go see the school. I went to the, I remember I went into the, I think it was the first grade classroom. Mm-hmm. And I got to look, walk around the room. I was like, oh, okay, this is, I don't know why I'm here, but okay, this looks like fun. And, and back then, those class, those, that's those immersion schools weren't really um, advertised. Mm-hmm. And the only reason I knew that that school existed was because it was in my squad area. Oh, okay, interesting. So was so was Aria like one of the only person of color? Or? No, there was a few. No, no, she was not. But uh, they were clearly not okay. in the majority. Yeah. Because I know when I was going to school and and I grew up all over the place, like we moved every 18 months. I remember being in the first grade and I was like one of three black kids in the school. Um, Mm -hmm. And it was an Mm -hmm. interesting experience. Mm -hmm. So so now that it's so the school moved to the north side, um, Aria's attending. And, you know, she's getting along Mm -hmm. and you're bringing kids home from the school and that's how they socialized or? Well, they socialized at school, um, but her friends were, who, who became her friends were children of different, different right. ethnic backgrounds. Yeah. See, the problem isn't with the children. The problem is with right. the adults. Yeah. The children, the children just see, oh, right. I like you. You're my age and you're my friend, not, right? Right. You're not even different. You're I just like you. Yes. The problem is in the hearts and minds of the yeah. adults. Well, but so what are some of the challenges that you guys see? And I'm sure it may be different for both of you uh, in terms of, you know, when you think about diversity and inclusion, you know, there's obviously a lot of things going on with the conversation. Many things, you know, we can't fix by ourselves and many things will probably take long periods of time to complete, but are there, do you think there are specific challenges that we can solve or, you know, what do you think we can use in order to kind of move the needle? Only God can change the heart and the mind of an individual and um, showing love and kindness and standing up for what is truth and what is right. Even if you find yourself on an island by yourself, because I've been on that island by myself in the police department. She has. So even if you find yourself on an island by yourself, you, you know, you have to do what is right, what is good, what is right, and what is godly, on clearly what is lawful. So. Yeah. Yeah. Let's pause for a moment. We'll be right back. 
so why don't we chat a little bit about, because um, I know after you went to the French immersion school, was that all the way till high school, Aria, or? Well, after I left actual, the actual French immersion school, I went to a different school called Milwaukee School of Languages, which is another school that's all about immersion programs. And there I was able to like, meet the students from Spanish immersion and German immersion. Oh, wow. And also while I was there, I took Japanese. Wonderful. So I was able to take a third language. So that was that was cool. And yeah, so I was there from sixth grade through twelfth. Wow. Well, and you know, that is so interesting because you know, in there are so many people in in America that know one language. Um, and you go you travel outside the you know, even the United States, and you see so many people that ha- that have multiple languages that they just pick up so quick. The minute they learn the second, then it's easy to learn the third or the fourth. Okay. Yeah. So that's fantastic. I didn't even know you you knew Japanese. That's fabulous. My Japanese is not very good anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I can still read it. And I can write it still per- pretty much perfectly fine. It's just the speaking since I don't yeah, you have to I practice, really right? Yeah. yeah. My sister tries to practice with me. I'm just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. The youngest speaks Japanese better than Aria does. She does. She speaks it far better than I do. But Aria also speaks Portuguese and understands Russian and Hebrew. Oh, wow. Oh, my and goodness. Mandarin. And Mandarin. So. That's phenomenal. So, and this was all because of the way the immersion school was run, that you have all of these languages that you tap into it was because like the immersion program that i discovered like oh i actually like languages okay and right so now her brain is geared in my humble opinion i'm i'm not a phd (laughs) (laughs) Uh, but i watch this and you know and 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 their lives their get their brain is geared towards language yes so picking up the third fourth and fifth language because I was surprised that she did Russian because she, she taught herself that. Wow. So all of your kids, and, so all of your kids speak multiple languages. No, just the younger two, Aria and her sister, Allegra. Okay. The, uh, and my, my youngest, Allegra. The older one does not. Okay. Interesting. So then, so how mm-hmm. did you, how did you, uh, Aria, decide to go to an HBCU? Actually, funny enough, it was my my mom and dad were the ones that, that, that brought the HGCU idea and they were the ones that like, actually talked about Xavier the most. And I was like, okay, fine, I'll put forth the application because funny enough, I didn't know what I wanted to do after high school. I did not I did want to go to college. However, I was just like, maybe I want to take a gap year. Maybe I want to do this. Maybe I want to do that. And my parents were like, no, school, no, <laughs> no, school, school. I'm glad they actually pushed school. Now I'm glad I listened to them that I wasn't being hard-headed because I can be stubborn. As a mule. <laughs> but I'm like, you know what? My, my parents are most likely right. I'll suck it up and I'll go to, and I'll just go straight to school. That's fabulous. So, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so, so what was that like for you? Was it like a culture shock in some way? or I was like, wow, there are so many people who look like me here. Yeah. And who are smart. <laughs> I was you know, I was just taken aback because people, like, when I was in middle school and high school, people were like, like, oh, you think you're better than me because you think you're smart and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, 
and I always was accused of trying to be someone else that I wasn't. It, I was told that I was not black enough. Right. Mm-hmm. And I know from my own community in high school, it's like, like I, I don't know what you guys want me to do. I'm just myself. But when I went down to Xavier, I was like, oh, I'm not like an outcast. I fit in. This feels nice. Yeah. No, that's awesome. So, so then in terms of, I mean, it sounds like you started off with French and then you got into some of the other languages. Is there a reason you, you migrated to French? Do you have like history there or? The whole French thing was this one's idea. It was my mom's idea. Okay. (laughs) Like I just, I was like, okay, I'm just going to school. This is okay. And what made you choose French? I I initially, uh, we tried for the Spanish immersion school, but that one was um, full. I didn't know this. Yeah. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, I want her to have a foreign language because the world is not getting larger. The world is getting smaller. And it's also um, better if you have, you know, you're able to speak another language. So I didn't want German. Right. um, But I knew French was a worldwide language. Yes. Yes. So, and, and there's nothing to say, you know, any negativity in regards to the German immersion program. That's fine. Cause there are a lot of little black kids around here now who, and German, adults yeah. who are fluent in yeah. German. Yeah. What's, and, and it's funny because I traveled to South Africa and my tour guide, he actually was fluent in German and normally gave all of those tours in German. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I know there's lots of folks around that, um, have different languages. So you went to college at Xavier, you graduated and then studied abroad or were you studying abroad during your time at Xavier? Okay. 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 <laughs> okay so the whole study abroad thing is a kind of a long story. <laughs> so it all started because when I was in 10th grade in high school, my French teacher, Mr. Rosier, he was handing out flyers to all the students. He was like, okay, there's this thing going on at the Alliance Française, which is an organization that teaches French. He was like, this is going on on Saturday. So if you're interested, go go check it out. So I looked at it. I was like, oh, live in France, Italy, Spain, Japan, or Vietnam, or China. This is kind of like my thing. I've always wanted to live in France. So this Sounds like this is good idea. Something that was terrible. <laughs> yeah. So I took it home. I showed it to my mom. My mom said, okay, after karate, because at the time we were very active in karate. I was like, after karate on Saturday, we'll go. So we went and I was the only kid from my school there. <laughs> <laughs> and then one other girl from this, from another high school called short, called short high school. She was there too. And we met with the girl. Her name is Amira. She, she did the program. That, that she was presenting. So she's an alum of that program. She did the Spanish one in Spain. And then she was like, she gave a whole presentation. She told us all about the program. And then I was like, oh, okay. And, then, and I was like, after she was, she was not talking about it, and then I, it settled on my head. It's like, do I really want to do something like this? I don't know. Do I? And my mom's like, oh, no, you're going to France. N- nothing else. Is, I was just like, okay, you're going. I was like, uh, okay, we're not even going to talk about it. She said, nope, you're doing it. I said, okay. She wanted to do it. <laughs> I, I didn't want to do it, but I, I was just like, should I though? Should I really? Like, I was the only kid here from my school. Should I go? And my mom's like, no, you're doing it. Well, and that had to be pretty significant. I mean, even as a mother, sending your child off to another country. 
Had you been oh, there before or? She, oh, she had. I have. She hasn't. I, she had. She went in fifth grade. Oh, okay. Yeah, with French back in the day, they took their fifth graders to France for about a month. So I went to, so after, the day after I turned 11, we went to France for about a month. Wow. We lived in host families and I didn't have my parents. So I was like, okay, this is all right. Even though ever since I was five years old, I did say I wanted to live in France mm-hmm. after my first day of school. Yeah. And then we turned around and hosted a, a child from France. Oh, wow. Well, that's really interesting because I know um, even when you're, you know, when you're going through that, you get so much from them, uh, you know, and you get a lot when you go there. So, you know, just kind of transitioning from one country to another. How do you think that changed your perspective, Aria? And then I'm going to ask your mom the same thing, because I'm sure she must have seen a little bit of a difference. Yeah, it was so after that, when I moved there the first year in, in high school, when I was 16 years old in high school, like I had a rough first week there, if I'm being quite honest. Like my first night, I cried myself to sleep. Homesick. Because I didn't know how to work the shower. It was my first night with my hotel was awkward. So, and I was tired from the flight. I, I got sick. It was not fun. After that, but as, as time went on, it got a lot better. Like, I learned how to use public transportation by myself for the first time. Yeah, she never took the bus here. <laughs> I never took the bus here in, in Milwaukee. But no chauffeur in there, France? I had, to, <laughs> I had to learn how to navigate the transportation system. I had to learn how to navigate the metro. Because I was in a smaller French city, but I had a metro. And tons of buses. I had to learn how to navigate by myself. I had to take myself to school. I had to learn how to get to school every day from my house. And I had to... I was forced to speak French every single day to people. Like I had to figure out how to work like the French high school system. It was just, a, it was just a lot. Yeah. That sounds but, like a lot. But through that is like, I gained like so much independence because I was doing stuff for myself by myself. Right. At a young age. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you, it's time to grow up. You're not a little kid anymore. It's time to be a big, it's time to be a big girl. You're, you're a young woman now. It's just, you want to do this? Okay, let's make this happen. Let's make this work. So I, it, it made me feel more confident within myself because it's like, okay, I can actually, I can actually do a lot more stuff than I thought I could. If I was staying at home, like I would have been far more dependent on my parents. But after doing that for a year at 16, it's like, wow, like I'm amazed myself of how much I can do. Yeah. And like, I shouldn't be doubting on myself saying I can't do anything because no, actually I can do a whole lot because not a lot of 16 year olds move away from home for a year by themselves for sure. in a foreign country. Yeah. Where you can't speak the language. I mean, <laughs> that's a, I mean, it's one thing to move away to a different country, but to a country where you, you may not be able to, to really navigate through the language. I mean, that's, that's challenging. So, um, well, she could speak the language. She spoke it properly, um, as opposed to using the quote, um, colloquials that they, you know, folks normally mm-hmm. do, you know. And so, the slang. there she learned, right? She learned, you know, Isabel, uh, was it Isabel? Oh, uh, no, um, Brigitte. And you don't have to say that that way. <laughs> yeah, my husband, she's like, you don't have to say it like this. I was yeah, like, no, no, but academically, she's like, no, no, no. You don't have to do it like that. Relax. <laughs> That's but she was 
speaking in, you know, like the textbook. Oh, wow. Okay. There I learned, there I learned like, the French don't care about proper grammar. They don't even use proper grammar. So but she does. I still do. <laughs> and she still does. <laughs> it's, it's a half I can't break. And then when I moved back and when I was at Xavier, I did another year in, um, in the French Alps. I lived in the city of Grenoble for a year. Her junior year there. Yeah, so I so that was a whole nother bag of worms. Like, okay, now I need to learn how to navigate the French university system. This is fun. Yeah. So when when did so, you actually become fluent at, at a much younger age, it sounds like? I was fluent by the time I was in fifth fourth, fifth grade. That's when they said that you're yeah. like fluent. Okay. And then they, and then they're like, you just get better after time. Yeah. yeah now she's a native speaker. That's fabulous. Wow. So, so I'm assuming you saw a change in her as she was going through this process. Oh, absolutely. Um, particularly when she went to, uh, uh, when in her junior year in high school, she was so self-assured by that time that she would even, um, go down to Paris to get her hair done. Oh, wow. By okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she would go down to Paris and get her hair done. Yeah, um, she would go. She she was our tour guide. Yes. When we went. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, yeah, she was very confident at that because she wasn't so much, you know, kind of sheltered. Like I said, she, uh, she had to go to France to learn to take the bus. <laughs> <laughs> That's and there was, a bus, there was a bus stop in front of our house that she never got on. <laughs> That's hilarious. Nope. Oh my gosh, you guys are too funny. So so then what was the what has this experience been like? I mean, clearly when we think about diversity and inclusion, there are lessons we can learn here. Did you see some of the same types of challenges in France that that you see here in America or what's that like? Well, in France like I mean in like experience like a lot of, like challenges like to fit in uh-huh. like because everyone there is like they don't see you as like just like black white or arabic or asian they're like oh you're french okay like like er- like everyone there's like it's everyone's like together like it's in, like they're all just like it's, it's a truly a melting pot over there yeah. and, and everything like i lived in Plan, which is a small city in in Brittany, which is just south of the uk i lived in grenoble which is in the which is in the mountains and then i lived in the capital. I lived in Paris, and, and, and in all three cities, everybody's like together. It's like it's a big blend. Like you see, like all French people just hang out together, like all different colors and creeds. They, they just all hang out together. It's just like, oh, okay, this is nice. And when I'm there, like they all think I'm French. Yeah. And every and when she was there, um, her first fa- all her families have been white. So, so what is it like to come back here then? The, I mean, what's the experience here? Well, so, I don't know why, but sometimes when, I, when I'm out in public, sometimes when I would speak to, I'm with my sister, like sometimes we would just speak to each other in French. It, it's just second age to us. Like we've been doing this since we're little kids. We speak, we speak a blend of French and English with each other yeah. in public. But sometimes like I we get comments by people saying like, oh, wow, I think like, wow, like we, I want to say that someone like you would be able to like, speak French like that, like, wow, like, like, you, like, wow, it's, it's like, I didn't know this was like a circus act. <laughs> Someone like you, huh? But someone yeah. like you, like, oh, I didn't expect people like you to speak so eloquently, and it's like, this is like, those, like, when I'm home, like, I get those offhanded comments from people, and just like, 
okay. Like, yeah. I didn't know, like, I was an anomaly. I just thought I was a normal person. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> we're, we're all one people, right? <laughs> right. Um, so, so what do you think? I love what your mom said in terms of like what, you know, when I asked her what you think we can do to, you know, just be respectful and courteous to each other and express kindness and, you know, are there other things that you guys think? I love the idea of, you know, getting your kids so broadly socialized um, with other languages. And because to me, diversity and inclusion is all about connection and trying to figure out Mm -hmm. how you can connect with um, other people. One of the things that I know many of the, many of the podcast series, I talk about my husband, but he had a love for history and he, he could connect with pretty much anyone because he knew everybody's history. And it used to just, you know, stun me that he could relate to so many people because he knew their history. He knew his own history and theirs, whether they were, you know, Greek or German or French or Russian or whatever. And there, you know, he had this curiosity. <laughs> so it, it's, it's really interesting how when you think about inclusion and diversity, you, you, we have an opportunity to really have a global conversation, um, but we, we keep putting people in boxes. Absolutely. And we find that a lot. So when they were younger and growing up, I, I, I had them in so many different activities and um, they know how to sail, not a motorboat. They know how to sail. Oh, wow. They, yeah. They know how to sail. They're musicians. Mm-hmm. They, um, they play um, both the girls, um, um, the two younger ones. Well, all three of my girls have played musical instruments. The older one played the piano. But Aria and Allegra are both violinists. Oh, wow. And Aria played the flute as well. And Allegra played um, piano. Okay. And what else? Um, I played viola. viola. No, I'm talking about other stuff. that. Uh, uh, I, I, yeah. I said, and the reason, they got, they got so angry with me. I, I guess I got on their nerves, but I really don't care <laughs> because I'm their mother and they're not mine. That's right. Uh, I said, the Lord gave me you. <laughs> And it says, train up a child in the way he should um, go. And when he's old, he will not depart far from it. And I'm training them so that they can have a conversation with anyone from anywhere in regards to the stuff that they've done, not because they read about it in a book, right? but because they lived it. They did gymnastics. They did ballet. They, um, they're martial, really great martial artists. And, and the reason they were martial artists because they had no brothers. Yeah. And mommy and daddy were not going to be um, with them all the time to defend them. And because I know from my law enforcement background that many a young woman has been sexually assaulted on a college campus, they need to know how to take care of business. Yes. They need to know how to defend themselves and, and how to keep themselves out of um, precarious situations that could be disastrous and harmful. Yeah. So I and put them in and they. I got a letter from Ari and Allegra when they were younger. <laughs> Dear mommy, we hate karate. We hate karate. We don't want to do it anymore. Blah, 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 blah. I said, oh, I read it. I said, oh, that was very nice. Thanks. The world is not nice. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, and I'm sure you were seeing it every day um, with. I saw it yeah, every day. So the world's not nice. You need to be able to take care of yourself. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you guys are too funny. Well, I'm so glad that we had a chance to catch up. I love that, um, you know, when you start talking about diversity and inclusion and you talk about getting your kids, uh, you know, exposed early to all these different languages and cultures and it actually, clearly it makes a difference. I, You know, what's interesting to me is I would love to fast forward, you know, 20 years from now and see all the kids that have that have all these opportunities to expand, you know, their thought process so early and their perspectives. You know, I can only imagine what it's going to be like um, to see them thrive as they get older, because, you know, uh, there's a lot of generations we don't have those opportunities necessarily. Absolutely. Yeah, they were not afforded to us. Yeah, so it's, it's I mean, I'm I'm encouraged by uh, the youth of today and tomorrow. So um, I, I think it's going to be, it's going to be awesome, but it's going to, it'll take some time. So thank you guys so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. Hopefully everybody got something out of this. I know I did. I'm excited to learn more about you guys. And um, thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you for having us. Thank you. Thanks for joining me on the Jolly Podcast. Please subscribe so you won't miss an episode. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.